Thanks, as always, for checking out the Best Of Podcast. I very much appreciate it. If you missed the show or just want to listen to some part again, here we are. Best Of Today includes my two interviews that I had on the Sunday show on The Fan with Lorenzo Alexander, co-host of the Train With The Best Podcast, and I, I guess he's a fine football player, too. Pro Bowl linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. Talk about a conversation we had on the podcast, though, with Will Compton of the Redskins. I highly encourage you to check out that. I'll share more information as to where you can do that in the outro of this podcast. Also, Brian McNally, Redskins beat reporter from the fan. Join me. Also talking this morning about that conversation that we had with Comp amongst ourselves. Had some callers call in as well. Is there room for nuance in sports broadcasting? That is a question we dive into to start the pod. And then we end with as far away from nuance as we can. Real things, real people said in real microphones, and it's a doozy. Here's the pod. Yesterday, we had Will Compton as a guest. And Comp sat down with us for an hour and a half. And it is, it's look, objectively speaking, not just saying this because it's my podcast, but it was really freaking good. Um, he was comfortable. Comp's a guy that I've known for a while. He was really comfortable with Zoe, really comfortable with Chris. And so he just opened up and was telling stories. He told a story about how uh, after Bo Pelini uh, took over at Nebraska, so he actually Comp committed to Bill Callahan at uh, Nebraska, oddly enough, that now that they're on the same squad again. But uh, And then Callahan got fired. And so Bo Pelini takes over. His position coach, uh, Mike Eckley, calls him and basically says, if you don't stay committed... Uh, I told my kids I'm going to jump off the top of Memorial Stadium. And Comp's like, it's it's nice to meet you, too. Um, so the podcast is great because he tells a lot of stories. But what I, what I walked out of there thinking, what I walked out of our studio, a.k.a. Zoe's house, thinking was, like, there's there's just a common thread among successful people and how they think and how they operate that is pretty evident and Will Compton's one of those guys. And this is the question I essentially want to ask Lorenzo is what percent of guys in the NFL could have had that conversation in that chair? Nothing to do with me, Chris, or even Lorenzo. Lorenzo's obviously a guy who's, who's super smart, capable. If you've listened to him talk before uh, on this station or when he was with the skin still or whatever like he's just a sharp dude who gets it and by it i mean how earth works and when you look at super successful people i think there's just there's some common threads in how they they work and operate and i'm talking successful people in sports the most successful people in sports um and that doesn't necessarily have to mean lebron james right like i'd say will compton's about as successful as you can get in that here's a guy who's undrafted and is now a captain and a starter. Like, that's a hell of a progression. And he's still progressing. He, he's got goals. He wants to be a Pro Bowl linebacker. And so whether it is someone like that who has, has overcome a lot to be successful or is super talented but then elevates themselves to the absolute best, a LeBron James, a Kobe Bryant, a Tom Brady, um, coaches, Bill Belichick, business leaders, um, successful parents. It doesn't even have to be something that you get paid and paid handsomely for. It's just a common thread among successful people of being process-oriented. 
And that's what makes this job, and this is something we talk about on the podcast, is what makes this job so goofy is we are so slaving to results versus process. Who won, who lost, everybody sucks, everybody's great. And there's just, there's no room for nuance and analysis. And it's bothersome to me because is it pot, like the, the, the thought of a team playing well, losing, and someone in my seat being able to go, they played well, they just lost seems preposterous now like i feel like listeners would tune that out because like but they lost and basketball is a sport where this happens a lot because honestly in game three you know what happened the cavaliers hit a bunch of shots here's some hard-hitting analysis of game three of the nba finals the cavaliers hit bleeping everything and the warriors missed some open ones that they hit in the first two games did Cleveland play better? Yeah. Tristan Thompson was, was really the one guy who played marginally better or worse. But when you talk about playing better versus just shooting better, you're talking about, and a lot of people probably can conflate the two things, and I understand why. It's, it's, we're, now, we're now talking semantics. But we're talking about are you making the right plays, decisions, are you taking the right shots? then it's just a matter of whether or not you make them. And so when you talk about, like in football, are you making the right reads and then just are you executing the throws? Are you in the right gap? Do you make the tackle? So there's plenty of examples of this throughout sports, but I'm curious, is like as sports fans, are you open to nuanced analysis? If... On a post-game show in the fall, the Redskins lose, and I come out and say, look, they played well. They just, Kirk missed a couple of throws. They missed two tackles, and that was the difference. Would you be open to that versus everybody sucks, Jay Gruden should be fired, Kirk Cousins' contract, whatever it is, was a mistake, blah, 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 blah. I'm curious how open you are to that. At 800-636-1067, we'll talk to you next on The Fan. Hoffman Show on The Fan. Good morning. Craig Hoffman with you on a Sunday as we do, 9 to noon. Always appreciate you listening and calling at 800-636-1067. Starting the show this morning talking about if there's a place for nuance in sports analysis. Is there a place for us to actually try to be smart about things in a culture where hot takes seem to be the rule of the day? This stems off a conversation that I had with Will Compton, Redskins linebacker, yesterday on on a podcast that I do. And we were talking about being process-oriented. And um, we said, I mean, look, most of the media hates the process. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's just make sure it's, it's most, not all, because I'm someone who wishes we talked more, especially in this medium, uh, more nuanced, more smartly about sports, because we have the space to do it. It's one thing on TV to try to get something out in 30 seconds, but if I got nine minutes to fill, good God, can we do better than just screaming about how everyone sucks? 
Um, and we have some people that do a really good job. Uh, it's, it's part of the reason I enjoy, for instance, Grant and Danny on our station. Um, it's part of the reason Chad makes me think um, that these guys aren't afraid to be like, well, wait a second. And I think that's why the junks are so good too, because you got four guys that are all going to have different opinions. You're going to not, it's very off. It's very, you know, uh, uncommon that you're going to get group think there. So maybe we're trying, I guess, but there are other areas of this, of this industry. And just, it's like, how hot can your take be? Fire, baby. Scorching hot. Zedronis Elgowskis. It's the name you have to say to kind of get into the proper Stephen A. Uh, let's go to Dave in Falls Church. Dave, thanks for calling. You're on the fan. Hey, Craig. I just wanted to say I really loved your point. I haven't listened to the podcast yet, but I will. But I really love the point that the great players focus on the process versus the results. And if you do that, the results will take care of themselves. Uh, that is the way they elevate their game. And not what I just like more nuanced uh, analysis. I would love that. The emotional reactions, though, they suck after a loss, and now they, uh, they're great after a win. Those are just emotional reactions. Uh, the more thoughtful analysis, it was really great. It helps you understand the game more. Um, it helps you think through the game more as well. So I'd love more of that. Dave, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Um, I'll save, I'll save what I'm thinking uh, in response to Dave's call after we get to a couple more calls. 800-636-1067. Vic's in Akakik. Vic, thanks for calling. You're on the fan. Craig, how you doing, man? I'm good, Vic. Always appreciate your calls, man. Thanks for calling this morning. I appreciate talking to you. Craig, you are preaching this morning. It, it, it's, it's not. I don't believe it's ironic that this happens to be on a Sunday morning. Uh, we live in a society where microwave success, uh, microwave promotion, microwave uh, superstar status is the uh, status quo uh, through social media and things of that nature that present the idea that a person has arrived in, in just about every industry um but i love what you said because the great and sustainably great uh a well-rounded great individuals who happen to play a sport or to happen to be in business or happen to be uh um i'm headed to church this morning uh of uh faith-based organizations, things of that nature. They understand that process will allow me to sustain when I'm going through something that is a lot tougher than the average person that's not a part of my industry would have to, would, would give up uh, or would quit dealing dealing with what I have to deal with in my industry or dealing with what I have to deal with and how I do what I do and do be uh, and continue to be excellent at it when I'm going, when I'm trying to be consistent. Um, so I, I really do think outside of just sport this is a this is a monumental uh, understanding that is lacking um my pastor says it all the time i don't really care that you can preach or teach or you're you know you're exalted above everyone else and you have great intelligence of the word if you're not processed i don't know if you'll be able to stand when the when the when life or the world hits you and you look at athletes today there's so many guys that have superstar status in one to two three years in college or what have you and in two three years you never hear of them again because process is lacking today so i think this is a very good topic Thanks, Vic. I appreciate the call. Um, yeah, and and what he says there about process being able to sustain is, is the point. And it's essentially like the scientific method, right? Um, you know, or not, not the scientific method, but it's science. And we talk about small sample size. You can get a good result with a bad process. And in sports, there's value in that, too. If you have a bad game but still win, it still counts as a win in the standings. I'm not trying to tell you differently. 
And if you can survive a bad game and still get the desired results, that's good. But as long as you don't think like, oh, this is how we need to win. So as long as you have the ability to make the corrections, next time have a good process. If you have a good process, over time, the more sample size or the larger your sample size, the better your results are going to be. So that is a huge part of why you need to be process driven is if you do the right thing every single day, you're eventually going to get the desired results over the course of time. Um, And that is why many athletes are process driven, not just on a a game day basis, but throughout their entire offseason. And that's something that Compton talked about a lot of continuing to refine his process. And, you know, he he said he sets um, three goals every day, you know, set like a personal, a professional and a and a and a business. And for, you know, or, you know, it was personal. I can't remember the three, but. It was good, and you should listen to the podcast, and I should apparently listen to it again so I can remember Will's three things. Uh, but like he sets three goals every day, and, and, and you know his way of writing them down is a way that he's always striving in the right direction. Um, but you, you just try to get better at your craft, and you, and you try to improve. And I think that's something that the more I've been around elite-level athletes, elite-level people. I see this a lot with front office people, too, and coaches. You know, the more that I've got a chance to talk to coaches, um, I, I can tell the really good ones because it's it's not lip service to them. It's authentic to them, the, the process. Um, Sean McVay is like this to an extreme where he's just trying to do the right things every day, trying to do the right things every day. You talk to Sean McVay and you get this sense that this is a special dude. Um, and I think we'll, this conversation that we had yesterday with Will Compton was was very similar. Hoffman Show, final hour here on The Fan. Brian McNally in half an hour right now. My co-host on the Train With The Best podcast, as well as much more importantly, a Pro Bowl linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. Lorenzo Alexander, former Washington Redskin as well. Zoe, good morning, sir. How are you? What's up, Craig? I'm doing great. Just uh, got back from church and just kind of cleaning up around the house a little bit and relaxing. For as much time as we spent at your house yesterday recording with Will Compton, I do not believe that we are responsible <laughs> for any of the mess. We were we were very clean. We left. We just spent a long time there. It's all about perspective, man. You know, so I had to get in there and clean up the studio a little bit. You know, I did, <laughs> did leave a little uh, funk behind. You know, everybody was coming from the camp. So it's all good, though. No worries. <laughs> um, we had a great time at the camp yesterday and and let's let's do the business end of this first because i don't know anything about the bowling tournament that you want to talk about and i want to talk about it and then i want to talk about our conversation yeah. with comp a little bit um so so right. give us give us the info the 411 on, on this bowling event you have coming up and you didn't do your research man no nah, i'm just messing with you um it's, <laughs> it's uh it's um it's going to be next saturday uh june 17th at uh bowl bar bethesda um, and it's something that I've done in the past. Um, I think most people kind of associate Ride to Provide, what I normally do in the spring, but this year we decided to do a bowling event instead. And it's to benefit my uh, my foundation um, here locally in D.C. We still work with a lot of youth organizations. Um, Beyond Measure would be one of them. And then another one is the I- IOTUS chapter, where we um, 
help provide a scholarship to a graduating senior um, here in D.C. And all the uh, all the money raised will be going to those two organizations as well as the ACES Foundation. Um, just to continue to help this community strive, you know, obviously the inner city kids that need uh, our support so they can kind of get over that hump and continue to, to continue on their path of being successful in life. Um, and it'd be great if the community can come out. Um, obviously, you know, Redskins fans, NFL fans, I know we have a big Bills Mafia um, fan base in the, in this area as well. Um, you can go to acesbowl17.eventbrite.com. You can go to my website, lorenzoalexander.org, uh, to register, get plugged in, and, uh, you know, come out. Um, I'll be out there. I know we're going to have Fred Smoot. We're going to have Zach Brown from the Redskins, Kedrick Ghostin, Derek Dockery, um, a couple of former players as well. So it's going to be a great time. And um, some people have stepped up. Uh, Avenue Wealth, New York Life, uh, Palmer Care, uh, Virginia Spine Institute, and uh, also my good buddy Jason Camp as far as being event sponsors. So I definitely want to thank them for stepping up and allowing me to be able to put this event on as well. Again, if you want more information, you can go to LorenzoAlexander.org and on the events page, there's there's two bowling events there. Uh, there's one in Oakland, Zoe's hometown. There's one, uh, as you said, in Washington, D.C., which is going to happen out in Bethesda. If you want more information um and that's and just so people realize like zo still makes his home here in the dc area and so this community um not just involved because he used to play here like this is this is still home for you yeah this is home you know this is where i live my kids go to school here uh, we planted our roots here and mainly because i did play here for seven years and really fell in love with this community they embraced me while i was here and still continue to embrace me once i left so um definitely want to be able to continue to give back as much as I can, and that's why I was out there yesterday with my church, uh, serving the community with the, the kids in the youth group. You graciously came out as well and served as well, which is awesome, and that's what it's all about, right? You know, the relationships that you build um, in life, coming together and giving back to those uh, that need to be served and helped out a little bit. And, um, so you can inspire them to uh, be a little bit better than you were, and that's how we end up changing um, our community from um, you know the inside out. Yeah, it's a really cool day yesterday the camp, uh, a bunch of Redskins players out there. D. Hall was out there. Mac Brown was out there. Comp was out there. Um, really great day with a, a great group of kids out there at Redskins Park. Again, if you want more information, LorenzoAlexander.org uh, has all of the information for next Saturday's bowling event in Bethesda. All right, so after the camp yesterday, we sat down with Will Compton for about an hour and a half. You actually were in and out um, during that, even though we were taping in your house. Um, uh, but I- I'm curious from from the, the time that we spent with Will yesterday and this is kind of what i've spent some time on this this morning is basically the premise that there is a common thread amongst amongst successful people and just because you have reached a certain stage for instance the nfl doesn't necessarily mean you're successful there are people that can get to the nfl even a level that high based off pure talent Uh, my question that i've wanted to ask you all morning and that i've kind of been thinking about since yesterday as someone who has been in the nfl for 13 years been in a bunch of different locker rooms is what percentage if you could put a rough percentage on it of the league could have that conversation has the thought process like will compton does that we had yesterday what what percentage of guys are that level of thinker and and put that level of time and thought into their craft um, wow, that's hard to say. I mean, because I think guys are kind of all over the board um, with that, uh, and I, and I couldn't honestly answer that correctly or even probably close to it because I don't know everybody as intimately as I would probably want to. And you know, just being in the locker room yesterday, 
um, if you just hang out and kind of stay in your own niche and corner, talk to the guys that you just talked to, I might not necessarily know that about uh, another guy like I would know that about Will Compton. Um, but just trying to maybe gauge it, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe 40%, I would just say 40 to 60, um, and give myself a little a bit of wiggle room in there. Um, but I think most guys um, are are self-aware of where they're at. And I think the older you get, the longer you've been in this league, you understand it. And I think uh, definitely with guys in, in, in Will and I's positions being undrafted, you have to figure that out a, a, a lot more quickly than somebody who maybe be blessed with more talent or a starting position as far as being drafted higher. Um, and that's just the nature of the beast, right? Because uh, I think success can also oftentimes be our worst enemy. And when we have great success, um, we oftentimes overlook some of our uh, weaknesses or deficiencies because we've never been faced to look at them. And until we figure out some real adversity or face some real adversity, you're never really forced to address those issues, uh, whether in your life or part of your game in this instance. Um, and being undrafted or being cut, uh, being a backup player, you, you're, you're forced to face it or you'll find yourself out of the league or out of a job. Um, in our in our profession, and so I would say the majority of the league, I guess, is made up of those guys. So I would say maybe it's probably closer to sixty percent. Um, but yeah, I think you, you you guys continue to evolve over the time. And, and what I found, especially talking to Will and guys that have elite talent and also have a mindset like Will, those guys become your Hall of Famers. Is that um, they tend not to base their success off of how they perform around other people. They base their success off of maximizing their ability. So it's an inner battle. It's nothing about people around you. It's about maximizing the gift that you've been giving. And, you know, that may be just making it to the league or that may be being a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, that, that varies based on the talent and ability that you've been given. But that is all, also, I mean, that's always the ultimate uh, test you know, where I can tell when guys really get it because they're maximizing, always thinking about the inner battle, not really worrying about competition or what other guys are doing and trying to measure themselves up that way, but trying to maximize their own inner greatness, you know, um, for the most part. Lorenzo Alexander with me, Craig Hoffman, here on The Fan. Um, when... Was there? A, let me ask you this way: Was there a point in your career where you figured that out that you needed to stop looking around and start looking within? Because you seem like a guy yeah. who is is very, very principled. And you know, I've obviously only known you now for a short time, but gotten to know you decently well uh, with the work that we've done together. But like, I, I only know the mature Lorenzo who has <laughs> right. has a lot of this right. stuff figured out. Was there a point in your career um, early on as yeah. you you had to deal with some failure that that or yeah. you know perceived failure that that you? You figure that out? Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, I didn't get drafted. I came out in 2005. Um, was a high priority free agent to Carolina. Made the team or made the practice squad in 2005, um, and then was cut after my second training camp with the Carolina Panthers in 06. Um, however, that whole time while I was there on practice squad, um, you know, I had I was caught up in you know counting the numbers, seeing who was drafted, you know, who they bringing in, um, and you know I will you know I, obviously I would go out there and. and try to take advantage of the opportunities I was given, but I was more worried about everybody else and what they were doing. And because of that, I used to suffer from, uh, I would guess, like migraines or severe headaches often, you know. And then at a certain point, you know, I, and I started talking to my boy, um, 
Chris Draft, who's a veteran guy, linebacker who played in the league a long time, who was there in Carolina in 2005, and he's like, so, man, you just, you know, you can't worry about what other people um, are doing or thinking. You just have to control what you control. Because we was having a conversation. I was like, man, I wonder why I didn't get drafted. I, I, I really wish I knew. He's like, no, you don't want to know. Just worry about what you have in front of you right now, the opportunities that you have, and maximize those. Don't worry about anything else. And, and that was like the ultimate turning point for me um, from there. Just control what I control. Whether I got two reps or 15 reps in practice, go out there and maximize them, um, get better each time, and uh, just continue to work on myself and my own trade because people are going to have a perception of you already. And it's not necessarily you can do that, necessarily change it outside of just working and trying to get better and um, and just ultimately going out there and producing and, and showing that you can do it. And, you know, through time and effort and consistency, you can maybe change people's idea or thought process about when they think about, you know, you as a player or as a person. So that's what I started doing, and the headaches went away, and I started um, getting opportunities and getting better because I, my, my, my effort was no longer or my attention was no longer divided between somebody else and me. It was all about what I was doing and my internal battles that I had to overcome. Lorenzo Alexander, Pro Bowl linebacker now for the Buffalo Bills after that you know, year and a half on the practice squad. Here we are 13 years later. Um, the story always is just amazes me, and I love learning more about it. Uh, you can hear the podcast that we did with Will Compton. Uh, you can find it on, on either one of our Twitter pages. Follow Zoe at One Man Gang 97. Zoe, always appreciate the time, and we'll, we'll definitely, again, uh, the website, LorenzoAlexander.org for the bowling event. Zoe, always appreciate the time, man, and I'm sure I'll see you this week. I appreciate you guys. So here's here's what I want to talk about this morning. Um, the idea of Daniel Snyder getting involved in the... Uh, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about OTAs too, but Snyder getting right. involved in the contract negotiations. Is this something that you've heard rumblings of, and, and, and do you think this is a good thing? Uh, it's, it's probably a good thing. I mean, in the end, when you have this kind of expenditure, Craig, you're, you're going to have to get the owner involved on some level. So I think in that respect, it is a good thing. Um, you know, it may be, uh, you know, a fresh voice, I guess, or somebody to come in who can make the final decision, um, you know, push both sides to kind of come to an agreement. I think all of that's important. So uh, to me, it, it's probably a good sign and, and, you know, kind of goes along with our reporting, uh, and a lot of people's reporting that uh, at least there's a little more optimism this spring and summer going into the July 15th deadline than there would have been uh, at this point last year where kind of everyone knew it was pretty much over that, that a deal wasn't going to get, get done at all. So if you had to put, and this is a terrible talk radio thing I'm about to do to you, and I'll just admit <laughs> it up front, and I don't care. Uh, if you had to put a percentage, and I'll even say you like more likely than not leaning one way, more likely than not that they get a contract done or more likely than not that they don't. Do you have a lean right now? There, That's less hot take talk radio -y. Yeah, I'd go, uh, that's probably fair. I'd probably go lean no at, say, like 60-40, right? So, it, so again, better than last year where you kind of knew at this point if it wasn't going to happen, uh, or at least you had a sense that it wasn't going to happen. Uh, this time, there's a chance for a deal there, I think. Um, you know, it, but the, the deadline is going to spur whether the Redskins make the the legitimate push that they, they will probably need to make to get it done. So, yeah, 60-40 sounds about right to me, no. Um, again, when you're this close to free agency, you got to give a guy a reason to sign, right? At this point, he's already... I mean, Kirk's oh, yeah. already come through the, the fire. He's already made it through to the point where he can see free agency. And I know the Redskins can say, well, we'll just use the franchise tag again. But 
I don't know, Craig. You and I, we can we can discuss the the bad side that would come with paying one guy thirty four million in in one season. Um, that is an option for them. How realistic an option is it? And and is Kirk's side going to buy that anyway? So. Uh, to me, you look at it and you say, okay, they have a shot to get a deal done here, but it's it's still he's still so close to free agency and kind of setting the market that why wouldn't you just uh, just push through, take your money this year, and, and go with it? Uh, I would believe that uh, I would hope I should say that the idea of paying Kirk Cousins thirty five million dollars next year, when, especially when you combine that, that would be about seventy million combined over three years, fully right. guaranteed. I would hope that would be self evident why that is bad to people, but if not, uh, let me try to explain it real quickly. That's a lot of freaking money. All right, explanation over. Uh, Brian Cap McNally, is also probably yeah. only 175 million next year, give or take. So, yeah. 34 million to one guy, uh, and then do the math and split the rest up among 52. Uh, I don't know, man. Good luck. Good yeah. luck if that's the especially plan. when you're already paying Norman a fair amount, Trent a fair amount, Jordan Reed a fair amount. Like yep. the, it's not like it's not like the rest Kerrigan. of it gets split up evenly. Yeah, so that's that's a good time. Uh, Brian McNally, a Redskins beat reporter, with me here on the fan. So what's the next step that needs to happen uh, from what you know right now? Uh, I thought Kime's story was really interesting. He had the line about how he believes that Kirk needs to be buttered up before another offer comes in so that he feels good when that, that potential, like, real, oh, wow, this is an offer we should consider offer comes to the table. Is that kind of where you're at, too, where you, you feel like this public posturing and this um, whatever private posturing is going on is, is an important step and needs to continue before they, they then eventually put a real offer in front of Kirk and and do you think they will put what what I, we would consider a real offer in front of Kirk? Yeah, I mean I I I think they will because I think ultimately you get a little bit desperate when you see the quarterback situation around the league. You know, they they've pushed this kind of as far as they can. Maybe they don't want to pay him that you know, give him that kind of contract and and I get it. Uh but at some point you have to pull the trigger, right? At some point you just have to say, he's a quarterback that we know the level he can play. I mean, I'm a little, it makes me a little nervous when people start saying, well, he's still got a ton of upside. I mean, Kirk's almost 29, right? He's 28. Let's let's take it easy on that. You're not going to suddenly become somebody you're not. I think we have a pretty good deal at this point for the type of quarterback Kirk is if you put talent around him. Uh, And they've been able to do that the last couple of years. They've been able to protect him the last couple of years. So do they have to butter him up? I mean, to me, it's almost too late for that, right? If you get to this point and he's already still kind of annoyed at you or if, if that's kind of the back, you know, how, how his camp feels about things and they don't love the way the Redskins have handled this whole process. I don't, I don't think anything is really going to change. You just make your offer and um, hope the bad feel. I, I don't think they'd even be really engaged um, if they didn't want to be back at all. So if the Redskins get the sense that it's going to take, you know, a godfather type offer, um, then you kind of know where Kirk's at. And then you kind of just, then you might want to start planning for the future. Um, you know, Kirk's side, I, I would guess, is looking at it and going, give us what we want, or we're just going to take this thing to free agency and, and we're good. And to the Redskins, that's, I mean, you've allowed your player to get to that point where he can take that that stand in negotiating. So I don't think buttering him up or saying we love you or anything like that. Jay Gruden's done enough of that this offseason anyway. I don't think that's really going to matter if uh, if the front office comes out. Uh, and says it because Bruce is Bruce has kind of said that too publicly, and um, in the end, the the money is going to be what talks. 
Which kind of leads to my, I guess, final question on this, and then maybe we'll sneak in a question on OTAs, um, depending on how we are on time. But the, the question would then be, does any of this posturing matter? I almost never think it does, Craig. I mean, it, I think the optimism is a good thing. I think that's where you're, when you get to that point, you say, okay, you know, like the Adam Schefter report, that, that's, that's way better than the sides aren't talking and have no intention of talking, which is kind of what we heard around this time last year. Um, you know, so when you get to that point, yeah, I think I'm not sure that the posturing matters necessarily, but um, at the same time, it's it's what it's them going into the into the back rooms and going you know on the getting on the phone and and you know working toward that offer. I don't think anything that's said publicly at this point is going to push them any closer to a deal than they already would have been. If it's going to get done, it, it's it's already got a chance to get done, um, and and they're they're going to push for it here in the next couple of weeks. All right. Uh- OTAs happened last week. They're happening again this week. Or is minicamp? Um, is Brian McNally, our Redskins beat reporters, with me, Craig Hoffman, here on the fan? Um, the running back position is is kind of an interesting one um, in that there are five guys that I think could potentially make this roster um, that are competing. I mean, you have the the two guys that started essentially last year for counting Chris Thompson as a starter in his role, whatever you want to call him, and then obviously Rob Kelly, Samaj P. Ryan, uh, the reviews have been good on him from what I've read so far. Um, but then you've also got Mac Brown is a guy, the guy who I think can play and spent some quality time on the roster last year and is a good special teams player, useful player. And you've got uh, Keith Marshall, who is apparently looked decent from some people that I've talked to. What is your impression of how many, uh, or A, your impression of those, those guys, and then how many and who uh, will wind up making this roster, if you had to guess right now, understanding that it's the middle of June? Yeah, and, and training camp injuries and all that. But, I mean, I, I think the top four are, are the top four, and we kind of put Matt Jones aside because that situation uh, seems different and seems like it'll have to resolve itself coming up here. But, I mean, you put you put uh, Kelly and P. Ryan in with Thompson and Mac Brown having a good shot to kind of uh, work his way back onto the roster, especially, as you said, because he's a good special teamer and, and all that. I think that makes sense. Uh, Keith Marshall's an interesting one, but, again, it, I mean, people get so crazy about running back sometimes, especially in the off season. Seventh round pick, um, you know, didn't do a ton at Georgia. Missed last season with an injury. Had injury issues at Georgia. I mean, people expecting him to have a breakout summer. Hey, it could happen. He's got great speed, but he's got a lot to prove. Um, so I'd, I'd still consider him more of a more of a long shot, and then maybe maybe re-sign him to the practice squad. But we'll see if Matt Jones even you know shows up this week. If he's going to stay away completely from everything, then uh, that that writing is is pretty much on the on the wall, I would guess. And then you got a couple of guys that you feel pretty good about. You know, you know what Chris. Thompson can give you. You like what P. Ryan uh, showed in college, and and that's a good young player to have on the roster. And then you saw Rob Kelly last year. You know, it's not a sexy group necessarily, but uh, I think the Redskins would feel pretty good about that trio as their as their top guys going into the season. No doubt about it. You can read more of what Brian has seen at minicamp and all the offseason training activities at thefandc.com as well as his latest on Kirk Cousins. Hey, man, we, we've gotten it's it's like June. We're, we're almost there. We're almost at July 15th. So it's only like it's only like four and a half weeks away at this point. We can do this. The D.C. Sports Station is Sports Radio 106.7 The Fan. Watch out now. 
Yeah. All right, let's get to it. Hoffman Show wrapping up the show. Chris Russell is next on the fan. This is real things, real people said into real microphones. It's a segment that we do every week to close out the show. And we have four really good sound bites this week, so I don't want to waste any time. It starts with the NBA Finals, Game 3, ESPN on ABC. Uh, this is from Game 4 in the first quarter. And Jeff Van Gundy took the time to talk about something that he felt was very, very, very important. I've noticed a lot in this series the debate about why Tristan Thompson has not played well. And he hasn't played well. But the debate about whether his significant other, Khloe Kardashian, and the Kardashian curse is the reason to me is downright low rent. My thing is this. When LeBron James struggled in 2011 in those finals, did we say it was his significant other that caused him to not succeed? Or last year was Steph Curry. Was it Steph Curry's wife when he didn't play up to standard? No, this Kardashian shame is because she's an easy target. And I don't know her or her family, but I do know this. She deserves an apology for anybody who participated in that type of debate. I did not expect to watch Game 4 and hear Jeff Van Gundy defend the Kardashians. Jeff Van Gundy seems like the kind of guy who would hate the Kardashians. The Kardashians are essentially famous for being famous. They've done well for themselves in that and taking advantage of their fame and, and in terms of capitalistically, they have uh, certainly made money off of, of themselves. Um, I believe one of the young Kendall Jenner, uh, who's a Kardashian Jenner in that clan, one of the sisters, she's a very successful model and maybe she would have been no matter what. Uh, but they're famous for being famous. And it seems like Jeff Van Gundy's the kind of guy that wouldn't exactly be on board with that. But I actually agree with him. And to hear that happen on the NBA finals was something that I did not expect, but I, I think a lot of us found themselves ourselves going, bravo, Jeff. Bravo. You'd, you'd defend those Kardashians? I, I guess. I don't know. Let's go to the next one. Uh, Torrey Smith, uh, wide receiver, has played for the Ravens, played for the 49ers. He's now a member of the Philadelphia Eagles. And he had that horrific moment that all parents have at some point in time. Daddy, where do babies come from? What do you mean, where did I get you from? Where did did y'all get me from? Um, Your mom had you. (laughs) Where did y'all get me from? You came from inside your mama's belly. You remember Cam when he came out? Remember Cam was in mommy's belly? And then he came out? Did the doctors get him out? Yep. They got you out too. Yeah, you had a big old head, so <laughs> they had the doctors had to pull you out. Pull me out? That was, I don't want that to happen. It already happened. You already here now. <laughs> they didn't pull your legs off. Don't you see your two legs right in front of you? Uh-huh. You asked how you got here. That's how you got here. That's fantastic. This is this is another affirmation that honesty is the best policy. How'd you get here? You were in your mommy's belly, and then you came out. You're three. That's all you need to know. Son, 
and you had a big head. So the doctors had to do some finagling. You and your big head. That's amazing. Tori Smith's chaps, chapsnat. Snapchat, the audio courtesy. Uh, this is a new commercial for McDonald's starring the Wall Star. But not really. Not really. The star of this, the star of this commercial is, is Wes Johnson is his name, right? Uh, Capitals PA man, Wes Johnson. Now, why they couldn't have Ralph the Voice do this, I don't know. But it turned out just fine. Here we go! John Wall is headed to McDonald's! And boy, does he look hungry! He's gotta have that Big Mac! The phone is out. The app is open! The order set! What touch! He looks left, drives right! The Big Mac is already in the bag! The car is in the lane. The pickup is set! It could be! He might! He's going to! Here we go, Mr. Wall. Thank you. He scored a Big Mac using mobile ordering and curbside pickup. Wes, you can decide about everything. Just McDonald's, John. Just McDonald's. That's really good. That's a well-done local marketing job by McDonald's. You'd also have to think if John Wall's getting McDonald's commercials, like can can Homie get a shoe deal this summer? It is preposterous that John Wall does not have a shoe deal. He's one of the most likable, real athletes in a major market. Everyone respects his game. Like, I'd wear John Wall's shoe. John, go get a shoe deal. I'll buy him. I'll, I'll buy your shoe because I'm a John Wall fan. You know what I probably won't buy, though? A Big Mac because I'm a healthy eater. Except for, except for the times that I'm not, then, then occasionally I'll... Like how, EA, how many Big Macs do you have a year? I, I'm good for two. I don't do Big Macs. I do the McDouble. Oh, those I'm good for about 40 a year. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not a Big Mac guy. No, it's not too much. 40. It's not too 40. Much. See, I'll, I'll go, like, I'll get two McDoubles every time I go. And it's maybe once every six weeks. So it's not quite once a month. About once every six weeks, I'm good for, good for a late night McDouble run. I go McDouble and a McChicken. I do that too. I like to mix for, it up I get, a I get, bit. I get two McDoubles and a McChicken because I'm a savage. I'm a late night fast food eating savage. All right, uh, Draymond Green is going to make fun of the people of Cleveland, and then we're going to be out of show. Oh, no, I don't really pay that much attention. I don't, I don't pay much attention to anybody in Cleveland, honestly. Uh, I don't seem to be the sharpest people around, so that's, yeah, whatever. That is Draymond Green knowing his constituency. He plays on the West Coast in San Francisco. Um, and he's also, don't forget, a Michigan State guy. Grew up in Michigan. Michigan and Ohio, butt the heads. So he's, he's not a fan of the people of Cleveland. He also, uh, I'm sure, is counting on the fact that he's going to win game five tomorrow night and not have to go back to Cleveland until next year. But people in Cleveland won't forget because they're stubborn. All right. I'm out of show. By the way, Cleveland, lovely city. I'm, I'm off the hook now. Cleveland really is an underrated city. Lovely place. Great people. Just they care about sports a lot. Draymond's on the other end of their caring. Thin line between love and hate. All right. That's the show. If you would like to hear the conversation with Will Compton, which you do, Go to iTunes, same place you found this, probably, or SoundCloud, or wherever you found this. If you found this, the same place you did, 
you can find the Train With The Best podcast. Just search Train With The Best. It's episode 15, the newest episode. Myself, Zoe, Chris Gores, and Comp sitting down for about an hour and a half of just amazing stuff. Comp was really incredible. It's a credit to him. Like, I just, I just asked him questions. Chris, Chris had some great stuff too, as always. And so did Zoe. I just sit there and I try to make great stuff happen by mostly just sitting there. Uh, appreciate you listening to the show and I'll see you next week. Uh, same time, same place, either right here on the Best Out Pod or 9am to noon on the fan.